Where on earth are you? Is it a little bit dark? It's you look like you're in a cave. <laughs> I'm in I'm in a car park. I'm sat. It hasn't got to the point where I have to record the podcast sitting in a car in a car park. But since little fella's been born, we're trying to grab time, aren't we? Yeah. To to get the podcast done between him feeding, sleeping, you resting, you feeding. And we suddenly saw a little window because the boys have this after school club and Due to COVID, it's indoors, but parents can't stay. Oh. Oh, so you, you've just been banished to the car park? Well, it's, it's kind of drop and go. And for some parents, it's the dream because they're like, wow, I've got, say, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes to sort of be free. But for me, by the time I drive back, find someone to park, I have to leave again. So I, I tend to sit in the car park. So I just thought maybe, look, you and I can talk anywhere. I mean, anywhere you and true. I can talk. So I thought we've got a little window. Let's record the podcast, but yes. yeah, it's going to become very difficult to see me as the light continues to fade <laughs> and the car is really cold. So this might not be the longest podcast we've ever recorded. And at some point, screaming children will charge towards me. But it's lovely to see you. Yes. And you in your, your dark cave. It's kind of mood lighting. I love it. Well, let's get right to it then, shall we? Yeah, let's get there's, um It's interesting. People say to me, it's the off season. There won't be anything to talk about. What do you talk about? And apart from the fact that a lot of things we talk about aren't linked with tennis, I think the thing about tennis, it's non-stop. I mean, look, when you were playing it since you've been retired from it, it never really stops, does it? Oh, I mean, how many times have I said, I think since we've been doing this pod for a couple of years, two and a half years now, uh, the amount of times I've described tennis as relentless. Just everything about <laughs> it is relentless in so many different ways. And uh, yeah, it is pretty relentless. Um, but with the sort of change of the Australian Open, it, it feels like it's a bit of a longer off season but I don't know if that is actually how it works out because I suppose people will be in quarantine so it doesn't doesn't really help it's not like they can have longer holidays um but yeah that's uh that's it it is relentless once again always stuff going on and we still there's not really much point talking about the Australian Open because it doesn't feel there have been too many more developments since we last spoke I was actually listening to behind the racket the pod with Mike and Noah and obviously Noah as a player he's in on communications etc etc and it, it doesn't feel there's much more than from what we talked about last week in terms of it looking like early February they might try and put a tournament before others are going to move around but probably the biggest news is that it looks like, sounds like Indian Wells in December, we're talking now, is going to be postponed slash cancelled in 2021. Did not see that coming. Not at this time. Did not see that coming. I mean, when you think last year, it was the eve of the tournament starting where they said, right, actually, you know what? We're not going to do this. But now we're in December. And look, I cover Indian Wells remotely. I have done for a few years now. But I was devastated. I was devastated when I heard the news and I don't even go out there. Which is why I was quite surprised at my reaction. I think I have such... I've told you it's my favourite tournament. It's my favourite place. I love it. But, yeah, look, when you cover it remotely, you're working through the night. It's like having a newborn baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's... Look, it just... It highlights. In the UK, they've started the vaccine. This is day two of the vaccine being rolled out. But you, you remember... And I remember... Don't you remember during the summer when we were kind of midway through lockdown feeling like we were getting a handle of it. And then in South America, they were at their peak. And then you forget that it's at different stages around the world. And in America, it, it's not great right now. Well, it's really bad in California. Uh, LA's yeah. on lockdown and, and that sort of thing. So I, we haven't had an official announcement at Indian Wells. No. Is that right? No. So we're still sort of waiting. But uh, the rumours... Uh, 
they've been fairly accurate i think throughout all of this when they've come out so uh, it seems like that's uh, the way they're going to they're going to do it but i'm sure the hp and wta are just wanting to firm up what the schedule will look like once that announcement they kind of want to do it all in one go don't they they want to say right that's cancelled and we're going to do this instead this is how we're changing the schedule uh, rather than say it's cancelled and we'll figure it out is less helpful for anyone working in the world of tennis i suppose but the good thing about indian wells it can be moved because of the climate you have in indian wells in palm springs it is well that's what they possible. said last year yeah no that's true we're talking about indian wells in october and all sorts but you have to think that by October this year, you have to think, but we're not sure, that we'll be further ahead with, we will have had hopefully by then a year of tournaments taking place with a pandemic ongoing. There might be some light at the end of the tunnel. It might have eased up in certain places. So there might still be a hope slash a chance of Indian Wells taking place in 2021. Yeah, I, well, I think we anticipated dis- disruption to the schedule in 21 until probably the summer, as in yep. sort of, you know, the British summer, for example. I know summer's different in different places. <laughs> Our summer. Uh, and then we think that the schedule will probably be set then for the rest of the year. And we're kind of anticipating disruption to crowds for probably most of the year, I imagine. In, in it, It'll be different in different countries and there'll be one tournament. Maybe most of the tournaments will have crowds, but then one won't. And there'll be some sort of restrictions or, or, or whatever. And then hopefully by the end of the year, things will be better. But I was totally wrong through 2020 wasn't I because I thought there was going to be no tennis for the rest of the year so I got that one wrong uh, so don't listen to me I don't know why you've come to this pod to be honest and I was ridiculously optimistic so I think you find actually if you mix the two of us together I think you find the perfect balance well it was ridiculous because at one point you thought I think it was in April when you thought that the French Open was going to happen in May yeah. and yeah. I thought there was going to be no tennis for the rest of the year so we were kind of worlds apart but I but as I say I think if you sort of blend the two then I think you find I think you find a pretty good place so you've got it so basically I'm saying with this podcast just read between the lines kind of mash what we're both saying together <laughs> yeah don't listen and, to either uh, of us is basically yeah come to your own conclusions and you never know they might be the right ones but I have to say that while we're still waiting to see how the calendar looks when I was out for my run the other morning it was it was minus one I couldn't feel my fingers it's the worst thing for me is the fingers I can't feel my fingers and I just it's unbearable couldn't feel my ears couldn't feel my legs do you wear gloves and I, no I, well, I have <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start you off with the basics <laughs> or oh, you're a mother now aren't you do you wear gloves <laughs> um, no they're on my Christmas list though I'm I'm ah. fairly confident Santa's going to be winging a pair my way, um, which is why I haven't bought any because I have a feeling they're on their way. Um, but no, I, I couldn't feel it. I I couldn't feel anything. It was freezing, freezing, freezing cold. There was fog. It was awful. And I thought I am really going to miss Melbourne in what would have been January. Now is probably likely to be February. I mean that was a real. Oof. I mean, look, I'm going to miss Indian Wells, and yet I wasn't going to be there. But I think the missing, the missing of Melbourne when you when the when it's this cold, that that's a big one. Yeah, I know it's a nice trip, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I I haven't done it, it for a while, so. But it's just kind of the right time. Just breaks up the winter beautifully. Bit of January sunshine. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. There was actually, and this is something that people might not realise, but we have spent and do spend a fair amount talking about. But we and we really love all the emails messages we get from people there was a lovely lady I, I won't name her but I think I think you'd agree she's a very brave lady because she sent us an email says she loves listening to the pod etc etc and then she brought up the Olya Sharipova story 
after she made the allegations of domestic abuse against Sasha Zverev. I'm sure everybody knows the story to the point they were at by now. Now, it was interesting because she was she was quite I don't, unhappy. She was quite sad that we hadn't addressed it because she spoke of herself suffering domestic abuse. And she felt that by by the two of us not talking about on the podcast, we were either diminishing it or we were ignoring it altogether. And I find it really interesting because we've been talking about this together since the allegations were initially made. And we did, we, we struggled for a little bit, didn't we, as to whether this was the right platform to talk about it, whether we were qualified to talk about it. I mean, we we did talk through a lot of things before we came to the conclusion that unless a listener, like this lady, for instance, came forward and wanted us to address something, wanted us to talk about, that we were probably not going to mention it on the pod? Yeah, well, I mean, we... We've kind of talked about it every week, haven't we, about whether we should address it. Yep. Uh, and at, at first we thought, well, we'll wait and see sort of what else comes out and what the Zverev response is. And, and then we were kind of waiting for something official, whether there was any sort of official comment or whatever, because it is quite difficult, um, I suppose, because, you know, what's just somebody's opinion on it? Because, you know, she says something happened and, and has... Um, I think it's great that she has had a platform to say her piece and she did the interview with Ben Rothenberg and she's been able to go into it in lots of detail and and uh, do what she wanted to do, which was to tell her story. Um, you know, Zverev has made a response, a fairly shortish response, but he's he's been able to say his piece as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose it's just kind of what's what's my opinion on something that I don't know anything about. Of course, the allegations are are disturbing absolutely and very very concerning and something that I'm sure Zverev will will have to deal with in in one way or another but uh yeah I I just think it's tough to to give an opinion on a situation like that um because you've just you've got you've got the two sides and that's not to say that the two sides are equal at all um you know it doesn't necessarily mean they are but there are you know there's there's one version of events another version of events and you know I can't give my opinion on it I wasn't there I haven't seen anything I haven't been witness to anything so and, and I do understand you because know, there's a massive problem with with this sort of thing with any sort of assault or abuse whether it's workplace domestic anything like this in terms of people remaining silent when they see something or hear something and they don't voice it they don't um, take it to the authorities they don't push it further they don't step up because they're worried about themselves and how it looks and what people think of them or whether it's their job or position or whatever it is and and I assure you that 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 is not the case for our situation because we we haven't seen anything. You know, I, I totally understand the whole, you know, you don't want people to be silent when they've seen anything or heard anything or they've got anything that they are genuinely concerned about. But as we say, she stepped forward. She said her piece. She doesn't want to take it any further. It looks like um, she might be forced into it if Zverev wants to. You know, he could always respond in some sort of legal way if he if he wanted to. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm glad that she's been able to say her piece and Zverev's been able to say his. Um, and it's it's just it's a tough one, really, because you know, even if I sat here and said, you know, oh, I totally believe her. I mean, I don't think that's really helpful for anyone. Or if I sat here and said. No, I defend Zverev. You know, I think that he. You know, I think this is unfair. I don't think it's very helpful or very useful for anyone. I mean, of course, you know, these are 
it's a very serious thing. I was really appreciate, appreciative of the fact that she got in touch with us and, as I say, mentioned what she'd been through, which I think was very brave. And I have to say at this point, we did send a, a private reply back as, you know, answering all the questions and the points she made. But one thing that I did want to address when I wrote back to her was she mentioned, were we not talking about it because of our brand? And were we trying to protect our brand in not addressing the situation and the first thing I thought was I don't, do we have a brand I thought I must speak <laughs> <laughs> the, the first thing was I must talk to Naomi a bit do we and then I thought and I and it's not it's not us not saying anything because we want to stay neutral and we want to be light and fluffy yes we do want to be uplifting I do think a big part of this podcast is to give some people some relief some whether it was during lockdown when we get together this is as we've always said with this podcast we talk about this stuff we talk about this stuff if we weren't recording this we would still chances are be having a very very similar um, conversation so it was nothing it was never when we talked about this particular situation it was never as I say I'm not sure we have a brand but it was that never came into our thinking you know would it would it damage would it damage our podcast if we talked about this? There's the other side of things. There might be people who thought, well, if we talk about it, it might increase the listeners in our podcast, which on both ways, I don't think is a right thing. I just think we thought exactly as you've said, that it's not about protecting us, not about a brand, but partly what does our opinion matter in this in this situation, you know, what what are people going to take away? So, well, Naomi said this, and Gigi said this about it. It's a horrible situation. However, you look at it, it's it's absolutely horrible. I agree that I'm really happy that Ben gave her the platform that she could tell her story. But what one of the things that came out of it at the time when people were asking for the for the ATP to respond was, should there be a domestic abuse policy that you have in other sports? So what I, I wanted to ask you just do you a believe there should be and secondly it's interesting no one's talked about should there be a domestic abuse policy on the WTA tour because it's not just something that might will or, or can happen on the ATP tour well absolutely I think if uh, if it's something that's being considered the ATP WTA is entirely relevant as well um, it's a tough one again this is something that we've gone into a lot particularly through this covid stuff it's come up a huge amount of times just the sort of the structure of the sport and how different it is to most other sports you know these players are not employed they are not owned uh, yes they do have to sign a contract to become a member of the ATP and the WTA but it is quite uh, loose I suppose in comparison I mean I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier in the year I mean you know far more about football than I do but if you look at say a footballer's contract the amount of things you cannot do are, you know the list is just endless it must just be pages and pages and pages <laughs> it's a long list when they retire they go crazy suddenly there are motorbikes <laughs> yeah. in there skiing down mountains without poles and all these things that they've never been able to do marketing deals or, or just anything at all you know you are everything <laughs> has to go through the club right because the club own you you are bought and sold like meat and that is it and sometimes yeah. you don't have a say in where you go uh, if say for example you're playing NFL out in the States when you get drafted you could be going to Arizona or you know you could be going to Chicago it's 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 crazy so um, it, it is very different in tennis in that we have so much freedom and, and we have that freelancer situation ultimately so there is less responsibility I believe on the governing bodies to manage this i think 
I think their main responsibility is keeping everybody on the tour safe. The Sharipova story is that obviously a lot of this is happening at tennis tournaments, maybe not at the venue, but in and amongst the tennis tour. So that is something that the ATP need to be concerned about. Um, you know, these are accredited people coming onto site. So there, there, there is maybe an element of responsibility there. But um, yes, I think that they should look at uh, having some consequences, but there won't be any consequences unless he's found guilty in sort of a court of law. Um, and then there will be criminal consequences and then they can take the action that they see fit as well. And I don't actually know whether they have anything uh, in their rules about sort of breaking the law if you're found guilty of a crime or something that is entirely separate um, to to your tennis. Uh, I actually don't know what their situation is, but you know, you would hope there would also be also be consequences in some sort of suspension or or you know lifetime ban if it's serious enough of course um but it is quite again with this situation it is quite tricky because you know she's made this statement and that needs to be taken seriously but i don't believe anybody can really take any great action unless it becomes sort unless it carries on down the official channels and it ends up going to 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 court and sort of a trial or however it would end up but uh, you know i don't know where it would end up if it was pursued but because she's saying she doesn't want it she doesn't want to, to pursue it from her side i think that also means that no one else should pursue it really from from their side i mean they can talk to him about it but you know unless he was going to say yeah hands up this is what i did then that, that would be an entirely different situation but that's not the situation that we've got so yeah definitely something to look at i think with a policy and i think you're right yeah like of course, on the WTA side as well. Well, I think, as you say, it's very difficult because we, looking at it from the other side of things, we're both freelance. So you, when you go to work for someone, there is a code of ethics and you're representing that company. But at the same time, you're not included in a lot of the policies they have compared to the staff who work for a company. It's, it's a strange one, but, but you would expect there to be consequences if you were found guilty of doing something then you would expect there to be consequences. But I understand what you mean. It, it's quite a tricky one when, as you say, your contractors, your freelancers, effectively, yeah. tennis players. Well, it's a combination, isn't it? Because when you're, when you're employed, you get more protection, but you also get more consequences. Yes. Yes. You get both. And when you're freelance, you get far less protection, as we've seen through COVID with the players and with people like us. Um, you, know, you, you don't have any sort of you know, net to catch you in any way. Um, and then but then on the flip side, I suppose you don't have somebody saying you can't act this way, you can't do do this. And as I say, it's totally different when it gets to a criminal level. And yes, of course, there has been a statement, an accusation of a, of something criminal, but it's not it's just it's not been proven. You can't look at Alexander Zverev and say he is a criminal fact and you need to deal with that. So it's 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 I don't know, it's, it, it is different. It, you, you you get sort of benefits from one side and. And maybe not from the other. I do want to say, though, thank you again to the lady who emailed in. Please continue to email us or send us a direct message on Twitter or Instagram. And as I said, we did reply privately and in depth. But we did want to explain it on the podcast because we always said if someone did write in and wondered why we weren't talking about it, then we would talk about it. <laughs> see me serious question it's very dark <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it, this is just really weird I'm sitting 
in this car. It is dark. There are a few people that walk past giving me really odd looks because I'm staring at my phone and I'm speaking into a microphone. None of it makes sense. None of it. <laughs> but but as we've said, needs must. There's a new baby around, and when baby sleeps, we talk, which is which is what we're doing. Basically, we're we're fitting it into a to a little gap. Something else that happened last week, followed on from what this week that followed on from what happened last week was the ATP hashtag. This is tennis. It's a, this is tennis. This is tennis. It's a it's a rebranding. There's a video. A number of the players have got a hashtag, passion hashtag focus. Kyrgios had hashtag anger. Wondering how he feels about that. Um, <laughs> but just to display. Do he must have had a say? Yeah. No. Probably. No. I can you imagine if they just did that <laughs> and they were like, he's angry. So we're just giving you hashtag anger <laughs> and it's hashtag focus, hashtag determination, hashtag hard work, etc. We saw WTA last week. They rebranded the the ATP. It's hashtag this is tennis. And I think what stood out for me, there's a, a video that's been made, is how much tennis, especially ATP, still needs the Federer, the Nadal's. And the Djokovic, because yes, in the video you feature a Sitsipas, you feature a Medvedev, but they are still very reliant and understandably so on those guys who have achieved so much and continue to do so. And they do need them to stay around a little bit more until more people, not necessarily as entrenched in tennis as we are, get to know the new guys and start to relate to the new guys. Well, they're superstars, aren't they? They just, yeah. I mean, they've just got bigger and bigger and bigger. We thought they might have hit sort of a peak, not even just their tennis, but just their popularity. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's just grown and grown and grown. I mean, maybe there was a bit of a peak with the rivalry with Federer and, and Nadal, um, you know, a few years ago. But yeah, they, it's just, it, it, they're, they're, it's a phenomenon, particularly Federer and Nadal. And I know that the Djokovic fans are going to get on at me. And, and look, he's been coming up the outside. He's catching him up big time. I I have no doubt. Like I'm, I'm not denying that. And I'm not talking about tennis, talking about the marketability sorts, the popularity yeah. side yeah. of things. He absolutely is catching them up big time. But it's it's sort of just extraordinary, isn't it, to to have those three I mean one thing just the tennis achievements and another thing the personalities and how they transcend the sport it's absolutely extraordinary I mean what they've done I mean particularly Roger Federer has is just an exceptional sort of um, representation for the sport we've been very very lucky and uh, you know somebody will fill the shoes that will happen but you know whether they'll walk them in the same way <laughs> I doubt it um it's just it, it's just such a it's just it's different isn't it I just it's just something different but they're very difficult slash impossible shoes to fill when you think of these young guys and I know they want to be seen as individual and completely different and yet on the other hand they're saying well I modeled myself on x I modeled myself on y but it's it's a big bar. I mean, it's a high bar that's been set for these guys. In the women's game, you have a couple of standouts. Maria Sharapova, who has recently retired. Serena Williams, who's still playing. And then I think there's a more concertinaed effect and they're, they're more together. But the shoes that the young male tennis players are having to fill. I mean, Sitsipas, it's going to take them years to get anywhere near, even if they do reach anywhere near the heights that the guys who are still going and that that must bring its own sense of pressure yeah I think it's a combination of stuff isn't it I mean it's the fact that those guys are still going so they take a lot of the limelight they take a lot of the big yeah. courts they take the good slots yeah. you know the 7 p.m <laughs> sort of slot that you know they get that and the younger guys tend to only 
get those opportunities if the big guys aren't playing or if they're playing against the big guys, <laughs> which means they're yeah. probably not the favourite to win the match, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unless they're playing at home. So, you know, you just don't quite get the same sort of exposure. And then also, um, you know, these guys, you know, times have sort of changed, haven't they? In terms of, you know, Nadal was winning slams from the age of 18. Even Federer, Djokovic, it was it was very early when they were, were doing that. It wasn't sort of a waiting until your late 20s before, you know, picking up those titles. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just the level of domination in, in all areas. But, you know, I think, I think they've just been, they've been fantastic for the sport, haven't they? I mean, I don't know who's going to, I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to dominate. Maybe not. I mean, that's all right. Yeah, maybe it's not. It's not a bad thing. I mean, we see it spread around in the women's game. It was interesting that someone I wanted to talk about last week, who we've spoken about before, but then we we ran out of time, was Sophia Kennan. And I, I was going to say to you, I don't think she's received the recognition she should have done after the year she's had. And then the last few years, she's been named Player of the Year. <laughs> so it feels, it feels a little weird, me wanting to talk about this. And she was breakthrough player last year. But, and I know... COVID really cut the season in two and it changed a lot of things. But I just feel until the last few days when she won the award that we hadn't really been talking about or recognising her enough for just what she's achieved this year. No, and I, I think that's fair. And I think that is something that will uh, be a common theme through the Kenin career, I'm afraid. And it's, again, I just think it's this sort of combination of, of stuff She's definitely changed a lot, I think, in terms of maturity. We were talking about that in, in terms of her behaviour on the court. But, I mean, you've just sort of got to... I don't know, you've just sort of got to get over it. Like, everybody's different. We like a bit. Of, she likes a bit of drama and she likes a bit of a strop and that's fine. So do you think people haven't warmed to her enough and maybe that's why, even throughout her career, it will go up and down in terms of the recognition she gets and people talking about her yes uh, but I also think that she takes on that role herself I mean she's talked a lot about how she was completely underestimated throughout her entire childhood she was never the one she was always having to scrap and to fight and 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 to try and catch up and to try and prove herself and I think that she just is kind of slotted into that role as the underdog and she doesn't care what people think. And she, do you know what I mean? She's just sort of like, I'm going to let my tennis do the talking. I'm going to beat these people. That's, that's how I'm going to do it. Um, and, you know, she does just seem like a really lovely person off the court. Like for, for, for sure she does. But, you know, it's, um, you know, her game style is, is different. Her approach is different. Her athleticism is different. Her game is also quite difficult to understand, I think. For, from what point, what, what, what do you mean? From what point of view? Well, I, I, as in, if, if, you, if you look at her move on the court, she just doesn't seem particularly athletic. I mean, if you just just to, to say that she is a you know, Grand Slam champion, but her level of coordination is extraordinarily high. I mean, it, you know, it, it's all about her. It's her as an individual. She has just willed herself. She's willed her game to a to a, such a high level. Um, and as I say, it's just a little more complicated to unpick. If you have somebody like a Petra Kvitova go out on the court and you've never seen her play before and somebody said to you, she's won a Grand Slam, you'd be like, sure. She boshes the ball around. It's a very simple game yeah. style. It's a very easy to understand. She's a lovely person. She goes out there and she just boshes the ball around and she either hits through you or she doesn't. And lots of people love it. I'm a massive fan. We all know I love a bit of power play. <laughs> That's my favourite, right? And I will sign up for that any day. And I love it. And she's very popular, but it's very easy to 
grab hold of. I think for fans as well, it's very easy to like her. It's very easy yeah. to like her game. It's very easy to understand what she's going to do. Because also you've got to remember, if people are actual fans, when their player loses, they need to try and sort of digest it. Like, why did they lose? What? Why did this happen? You know, it's kind of, it, it hurts them. They need to figure it out. And I just think that, Kenan, it's quite difficult to work her out in her game style. And that's what's worked wonders for her in terms of it's tough for her opponents to work her out as well. You never quite know where you stand with her emotions on the court. I mean, it just, it, the, <laughs> just the flick of a switch and suddenly you go, whoa, okay, where did that come from? But it doesn't affect her game at all. She then just plays the next point as if nothing had happened, even though she, she'd been stamping her foot or whatever had been going on. And, you know, it, it and also with her game, you know, there's, when you actually look at her game, there are some beautiful shots in there. I mean, it, it, it's absolutely exquisite, particularly the way she takes the ball down the line. It's extraordinary, but so much of it's in the coordination. It's not sort of, you know, fancy technique. It's not this incredible athleticism. Uh, do you know what I mean? It just yeah, her. Yeah. She doesn't fall into a box that you can go, that's what I like. Uh, and I think she's just a little bit difficult for people to digest. But I think she likes it that way. As I say, she's always been like that. The coaches, when she was young, they never thought she was going to be any good. So they clearly couldn't figure her out either because otherwise you would spot it. Whereas a young Kvitova, you look at her and you go, do you know what? If all this goes in one day, you're onto a winner. <laughs> I, I, I do like the Kenan attitude. I mean, I, it makes me smile when she stomps around the back of the court. I mean, it, the way she berates herself, she berates her father, she berates the ball, she berates anything that's near I, I like the attitude I like the fact that she's a little bit different and as you say she spent her whole life with people saying no 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 and then suddenly hey I'm a Grand Slam champion oh look I'm going to get to a, another Grand Slam final that's not even my favourite surface I I, uh, I reckon the fan. amount of people within sort of US tennis when she won the Australian Open went what how is because it's happened very quickly as well. Well, come on, I, mean, I think we all being thought a that. Tour player, well, let alone US tennis. I think a number of us were thinking, "Hang on a second, has Sophia Kenin just come through and won the Australian Open?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean, like people who've known her from being a kid. You know, some, sometimes you do. You just get those stories where you just go, "Okay, we missed it. We didn't see it. We didn't spot that. We didn't think she was going to be the one. We were focusing on these other ones. We thought maybe she could be a tour player, but there's a massive difference between being sort of a solid, you know, top hundred to you know, sitting between fifty and a hundred than there is to being a Grand Slam champion. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. So. Yeah, um, I mean, look, I mean, I'm sure people will in time, you know, love her because she's, in my opinion, she's going to win a lot. So I think people will kind of have to because <laughs> she's going to be around a while. Did you ever or do you ever visualise? Visualise? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Well, I was told when I was playing, the whole thing was like visualisation is... 30% I think they said of what you actually achieve but then I was like well if I just visualise going to the gym I haven't done 30% of my gym work <laughs> so I never I didn't buy into it that much because I, I know it all came to light with Bianca Andreas you remember when she won the US Open and she said she visualised the winner's check do you remember and she said that she just visualised holding the winner's check and you know, bang, a couple of weeks later, she was holding the winner's check. And I was looking back on an interview today with Sophia Kennan that she did with Courtney Nguyen, the WTA insider. And Sophia Kennan was talking about visualising and said that she did it coming into the Australian summer when she went on to win the Australian Open. And everyone said to her, oh, is it because of Bianca Andreescu? Because she visualised. And she said, you know, one day I just started to visualise. And she said for her, it wasn't 
the winners check it was each match she said i started to visualize the match the opponent the strategy and she really feels like it. and isn't there there's some famous book what's it called the gift or or something which says if you basically tell yourself something enough so if you will yourself i don't know rich or intelligent or thin or whatever it is you want to be if you visualize it enough it will 100% happen yeah well i mean it's just nonsense and that <laughs> that book is a, a dangerous book i think because it's very easy i think for you know look we're talking about grand slam champions here in andrescu and kenin and, yep. and these sorts of players and absolutely you know they've thought positive they have uh, visualized things they've told themselves i'm gonna win that winner's check i'm gonna do this well do you know who else did that a bunch of people who didn't win so it, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's just you're, you're taking such a sort of a skewed group of, of of people um but of course you know you need to have sort of positive thinking you need something to keep yourself going you can't just be telling yourself you're rubbish the whole time but you also do need to live in reality and these players live in reality you you can see that because they get annoyed on the court they get frustrated when they do things wrong they're saying no you can do better than that they're not sitting there saying i'm fabulous and you know i want to win i want it more than anybody else you know they actually have to do the work as well so uh yeah i i don't know i'm yeah i'm kind of against the whole sort of super positive thinking i'm much more i, I think because because for me i mean look i i think winning grand slam didn't win, come anywhere close to winning grand slam but when i was when i was young um you know i i mean in a similar sense to ken i, mean, I was nowhere as near as good as kenin but in a similar way like you know nobody thought i was going to be a professional tennis player no way um not get anywhere near where i where i got to i mean in under f- under 14s nationals I lost in qualifying when I was 14 so I mean that's putting me like 30 40 in the country for my own age group that's that's not somebody who's gonna make a career out of being a tennis player so and and when I ended up um sort of doing really well for me it was much more because I'd I was focusing, I was kind of more accepting of my weaknesses. I was like, right, here are my strengths, here are my weaknesses. What am I going to do about it? And I actually started living in the real world a little bit more. And I still felt positive about it. It yeah. was all, still being positive. And I did do a bit of vi- visualization, I suppose. I played a tournament in France, which uh, I had to come through qualifying. Didn't think I was going to win it. Um, and I said to myself, and they, it was sponsored by Renault. Um, the car maker and uh, they had a little Renault Twingo parked up by the car oh, I like by, by the court they're sweet I like those little cars if you haven't seen them you should yeah, google they're really cute, I mean so yeah. I was 17 just past my drive no 16 I was just about to pass my driver's test my driving test and uh, yeah they had this little Twingo car and I just told myself I was like oh, if I win the tournament I'm gonna win the car <laughs> because it was just there right was like, that was not the deal because oh. in juniors right they're not allowed to give out money because you're a junior but they do give out prizes and in a lot of tournaments they give out great prizes you get handed out sort of like xboxes and all sorts especially in sort of the tennis europe events um so i told myself that the prize was the car um yeah and then i did well and i won the tournament did you win the car no no twingo did you, did you get to sit in the car no i didn't get anything the car was just there it was at the back of the court but um yeah i i don't know you just you just kind it's, of tell yourself it, that to keep it's going it's like but it's not like having a goal so when i go on my daily run you know there's there's like this point that i i run to and i get to and i kind of i don't necessarily visualize it but i say right i'm going to get to that isn't it, is it isn't it the same as having a goal or a name i say i'm not visualizing where i'm going to run to but i'm saying i'm going to get to that point and that is when i'll stop and come back yes 
So yeah, yeah, I think so. It's 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 really about just having a way to counter the natural negative voices we all have in our heads because we all give ourselves such a hard time. I mean, there's the stuff that we say to ourselves. You wouldn't say to your worst enemy in terms of just you know like how rubbish you think you are or how you've messed something up or how things play on your mind. And you know when you're in a high stress situation in a tennis in a tennis match, that happens all the time. So I think it's just a way of forcing yourself to bring the positive voices out as well. Um, you know, if there's a way that you can keep them in balance, that's the best sort of case scenario. But most people are just naturally extraordinarily negative, especially people like tennis players who tend to be perfectionists, give themselves a really hard time. It's very hard to be positive. Um, you know, they do a lot of losing and most of the time feeling pretty demoralized about things. So I think it's just a way of making people bring that that sort of positive side i think that's why i listen to podcasts when i run to silence the voices <laughs> saying <Yeah>. you're so <laughs> slow go back to bed don't do this go somewhere warm <laughs> but we all do it yeah, right no, this is the same for everybody yeah. i mean if anybody thinks that that you know bianca andrescu because she does visualization is not giving herself a hard time on the court We're talking absolute nonsense every time she misses a shot she's going nuts same with sophia kennan like that's that's what they do i've got to tell you something really funny and sorry if i was uh, <laughs> a little bit distracted it's amazing when you sit in a car in the dark i mean it's a bit weird right but people don't realize you're here so people are just walking by doing their own thing and there's a, a street sign you know sort of the gray post with a sign hanging off it and this one is a is a triangle that's saying cars can come both ways you see what i mean you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah. Uh, there, there were two dads or uncles or whoever they were. There were two dads with their children on their shoulders with sort of walking along. <laughs> and um, one dad, I don't think, realized how tall he was with his daughter on his shoulders. <laughs> oh, nice. And luckily he wasn't going very fast, but literally he stopped and half his daughter's head was sort of one side of the post. <laughs> and, he, and, and as I say, he was going really slowly, but he just couldn't figure out why he couldn't keep walking and why his daughter wasn't coming with him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I've just it's it's amazing. I'm just sort of sat here, sat here observing this in the darkness. Now, one thing I need from you, which I'm then going to play to my eldest, is it's it's the eve of the school nativity. Uh huh. Okay. And the shepherd that was a camel but is now a shepherd yeah. has his line to say, and I think he's a little bit nervous. Uh, about the line now this year as I mentioned it's being recorded there's no parents there because of COVID but he's still a little bit nervous about it so I'm thinking you've done a lot of coaching with with little ones uh, I'm sure you've even been to tournaments with slightly older ones so I need a little a little pep talk for my shepherd just to get him across the nativity the wise man's fine he's got his gold he's giving it to baby Jesus that's all great but I need a little pep talk for the shepherd well the nerves are a good thing because it means he wants to do a good job. So that's nice because he yeah. he, he cares yeah. about it. He wants to do a good job. He doesn't want can, to can go either way though. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nerves nerves are a good thing, right? I don't know. I think you've put me on the spot here. No, I, come I, on, give me a little pep talk. You've got a little one. Come on, you've got a little one in your class and they're just they got no they're like oh, I can't hit this. And I'm no good at this. And I can't and you're just going to say, "Come on, little person, let's do this." Okay, so well what we would normally do if yeah. if somebody was if a if a kid was struggling say in a in a tennis session, for example and they were saying my forehand's just rubbish i can't get the forehand in we basically would we'd we'd set it up so that they hit 
some forehands and hit some good forehands because there's always some good forehands in there. They can get it over and in, right? They can hit yeah. a nice one. Uh, and then I normally say, well, who did that? And they'll say, well, I did that. And then I double check. I say, well, did your mum do that? Did I do that? Did somebody else? Or who did it? And they say, well, I did it. I'm like, okay, great. Can you do it again? And then they would do it again. And it's who did that one. Um, and you just concentrate on the on the good ones and uh, you know make them realise that they own it. They They can do it. And it's not up to anybody else. They don't need anybody else's help. They can do it all by themselves. Um, and that's uh, that's about all the help you'll get from me. <laughs> I, I'm trying to I'm trying to translate good <laughs> forehands into maybe I could get him to say his line a few times, and every time he says it, yeah, you can get him to do it. You can get him to do it with yeah. you guys. Yeah, and that's it. And, and it's just about yeah, just be nice and nice and positive about it. I don't know. I'm not a parent. Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me you haven't forgotten already now norm I, I envisage for the next few months largely you're going to be saying look i've got to go now because baby and etc but i've got to go for four reasons the first one is it's it's really dark now it's just very dark yeah it's fair enough secondly i've had i haven't had the heating on in the car because it makes too much noise and i'm freezing Right, yeah. The one. Again, fair enough. The third good reasons so far. Good reasons so far. The third one is the boys are about to come crashing out of their course and make an awful lot of noise. That's third reason. Yeah. And the fourth reason, I'm just getting a lot of strange looks. I'm just getting. <laughs> I'm just getting. Just, That's not a valid just, reason. Just, the other three. No, are come fine. on. Despite the fact I'm sitting in a darkened car, and no one should be able to see me. The people that walk past the window see me holding a microphone and talking. It's just, it's just yeah, you don't know these people. Know. Well, kind of, I live in this area. It's a bit odd. So they are my four. And, and I've got to go and give a pep talk to a shepherd about forehands. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm glad I was helpful. <laughs> yeah, you're really helpful. I need to brush up on um, my parenting skills, obviously. Well, you've got a few years till nativity. And, and by then I can I can give you some tips. But uh, so that for those four very valid, re- well, three very valid and, and one slightly not, I'm going to leave you. Um, and I will report back on the on the nativity, and, and hopefully we'll get some confirmation from Australia and Indian Wells and all those other bits and pieces next week. Perfect. It's good. basically next week will be our Christmas party pod. Oh yes, yeah. Oh brilliant. Okay, I'll wear so, a hat. What, no, wear your jumper, your Christmas jumper oh, with the Christmas dog on. Jumper. Is that Christmas? My birthday jumper. <laughs> it's a Christmas. Wear that. It's it's all sparkly with a dog and a hat on. So we'll put our best Christmas jumpers on yes. and do the Christmas pod next week. Excellent. I'll see you then. Looking forward to it. Bye. Bye. Bye.